Hey, what's up, podcasters? This is Dave Clayton here with Ethos Church in Nashville, Tennessee. And I want to take just a moment to remind you that there are some changes that are going on with our podcast. As our online family continues to grow, we found that it's sometimes challenging to find the teachings that you're looking for. And so just a reminder that we have broken our podcast into three unique podcasts. And so this podcast that you're listening to will continue to be the podcast for our Cannery family in downtown Nashville. But if you want to find specific teachings from Ethos Church Marathon or Ethos Church Hillsborough Village, you can search for both of those in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or you can find all of our teachings online at ethoschurch.org forward slash grow. So glad that you join in with us each week. You open up the Word of God, and I hope you enjoy this teaching from God's Word. Acts chapter 28 is where we're going to wrap things up uh, this morning. You know, so one of my favorite things uh, about sitting down and like watching a movie with my kids or or reading a really good story with my kids, is my kids, when they see a great movie or read a good story, they never see it just through the lens of entertainment. They almost always see it through the lens of an invitation. In other words, they see the movie, they see the story, and they go, man, I don't just wanna see it or experience it, I actually wanna step into it. I remember several years ago when my son Jack was just four years old, he was really into Spider-Man. I mean, he's been into Spider-Man since he was born, we're not even sure how. He has loved Spider-Man for a long time. And I remember uh, taking him to, to see a movie and we're sitting there in the movie. He's got that $41 bucket of popcorn, 72 ounce Coke. You know, he's just ready to go. And we're watching the previews before the movie that we'd come to see. And this preview for a new Spider-Man movie had come out. Now, I can't remember which one it was. They put one out every six months, you know, but it was, it was one of the new uh, Spider-Man. And he just freezes. He sees this movie and he's like holding that drink, just occasionally leaning over, sipping it, you know, just like drinking. But he's just glued to the preview of this this new Spider-Man movie that's getting ready to come out. And as soon as the preview's done, he he breathes again and he leans over and he's like, now, Dad, remember, he says, when I get older, I get to be Spider-Man. Don't let Micah try to be Spider-Man. That's his older brother. He's like, don't let Judah try to be, he's like, I'm the one that gets to be Spider-Man. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you can be Spider-Man. And, and so we watch the rest of the previews and we get into the, the movie and about 15 minutes into the movie, he leans over and he says, he says, Dad, when I get older and I become Spider-Man, who's in charge of giving me the uniform? He said, is that my boss? Do we have to buy it on Amazon? Is mom gonna sew it? Like, like where, do I, where do I get the uniform and where do I get the web shooters and who's gonna teach me how to use the, all the stuff? And I thought, man, it's amazing watching the way that a kid experiences a story. Because he was sitting there and he had no desire just to be entertained by it. He thought, man, one day that's the story I'm gonna step into. One day that's the story that I'm gonna live into. It's the way that kids watch stories. Uh, we experienced that this weekend. We were watching on uh, Friday afternoon, we were watching uh, this documentary called The Iron Cowboy. Have any of you seen The Iron Cowboy? I'm just curious on Netflix, a few of you. It's this story about a guy that's gonna, that wanted to complete 50 Ironman triathlons over the course of 50 days across 50 states. Just this unbelievable feat. And so, you know, we're sitting there like watching him do this incredible feat in the comfort of our living room as we're pounding candy, you know, and they're just <laughs> feeling really good about ourselves. And we get to the end of this amazing story, and I look over at Sydney, I'm like, man, that's, that's unbelievable. I was like so inspired. And I look over at my sons, and they're literally putting on their shoes, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, we're gonna start training. <laughs> and they go out and they run around the neighborhood. 
And they go, man, why in the world would we want to spectate? Why would we want to be entertained? Why would we want to be inspired? This is an invitation to step into the story. And I go, I think this is what Jesus was maybe talking about when he says, man, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to enter it like what? Like children. You have to come in, you have to understand that the, the heart of the, the gospel message, the heart of the scriptures it's not that we would gather in this room week after week, year after year, decade after decade, being inspired, informed, and entertained by what God did through other people's lives. It's that we would see the story itself as an invitation to step into. That we'd look at the last five months or so and go, okay, God, that's what you did through them. What might you do through me? What might you stir in me? Remember years ago, I worked with college students and Every year I'd get 10 or 12 college students and I'd take a year to just train them in the ways of Jesus very imperfectly, but I'd try to train them in the ways of Jesus and how to share the love of Jesus and how to share their faith in some uncomfortable places. And uh, God would do amazing things. I remember this one year in particular, God had done some incredible things to that small group of guys and we started getting invited to different churches to come share the stories of what God had done. I remember uh, one weekend we went up to this small little church in Kentucky and we were sharing all the stories about what God had done as these 10 guys had shared their faith in some unusual ways and we're sharing the stories. And at the end of it, this woman, sweet woman of God, loves Jesus, filled with the spirit. She, she came up at the end of our time and she said, she said, hey, I'm so encouraged by what God's doing to you guys. She said, my prayer is that every year you guys would keep going out, that you keep doing this stuff and you'd come back and you'd share the stories with us because these stories fuel us because you've got to understand. She said, you can do these sort of things. She said, but a person like me can never do it. I remember my heart just being broken, going, man, that's the plight. That's the plight of the American church in so many ways. We, we know more about the mission of God than almost anybody else, but we have less experience with it. We know the stories inside and out. We've written the Bible studies. We've watched the videos. We've heard the podcast. We've gone to the conferences. And Luke gets to the end of it, and he's like, man, I've got a cramp in my wrist from writing the story. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn, turn, Ethos Church, to participate in what God is inviting you into. And you have to remember, it's what the video talked about. The book of Acts, it's this story. It's a continuation. The story started with the life and ministry of Jesus, right? Jesus, he comes to earth. He lives this radical life. He dies on a cross. Three days later, he raises from the dead and he begins teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And I love the way that the gospels end. You remember the way that the gospels end? Matthew 28 is kind of the summary of it. But it ends with this moment of Jesus looking out at a group of ordinary people just like you and I. And he says, let me redefine what your purpose in life is. So Matthew 28 says, paraphrase, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So here's what I want you to do. Here's the purpose of your life. He says, as you go and wherever you go, to whom you go, he says, help others love and trust and follow me. And he says, and I'll be with you in all the details. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus looks out at this group of folks and he says, here's the purpose for your life, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a mechanic, a musician, an artist, whether you're in between jobs, a student, he says, wherever you are, he says, here's the purpose for your life is that wherever you go and to whomever you go, you take the opportunity to help other people love and trust and follow Jesus. He says, that's your purpose. You can imagine, you know, one of the disciples, maybe it's Thomas, because he's the doubter. I'll pick on him for a minute. You know, just imagine Thomas is like, but, but Jesus, 
my boss really doesn't approve of me sharing my faith in the workplace. <laughs> and I can imagine Jesus just looking at him and he's like, hey, Thomas, did your boss die and raise from the dead? No, no, okay, he didn't. Then I'm in charge. <laughs> you listen to me. Here's what I want you to do with your life. Here's the purpose for your life. You follow me and you help other people love and follow me. And you get to the, the book of Acts and the book of Acts, it's, it's jumping off of that purpose that Jesus had just given to his disciples. And the book of Acts doesn't just start with that purpose. It leads into this promise. Look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. It'll be up on the screen. Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, here's the deal. He says, I will give you power. He says, here's the deal. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, here's the deal. He says, I have redefined your purpose. And he says, but I've made a promise that goes along with that purpose. And here's the promise is that when you try to live your life for me, I will give you all the power you need to do that effectively. Jesus says, I'm not just giving you something, I'm giving you someone. He says, the Holy Spirit, literally one third of heaven's resources take up residence in your life when you become a follower of Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't have to worry about what you're gonna say or how you're gonna say it or when you're gonna say it or where you're gonna say it. He says, because the very presence of God that's been at work in me is gonna be in you and you will have power to be my witnesses. I love, I love that word witness. We've talked about it a lot over the last several months. You know, in a, in a criminal trial, there's typically two kinds of witnesses, right? There are eyewitnesses and there are expert witnesses. Expert witnesses, they didn't see the crime unfold. They just know some of the facts that surround the crime. You know, they know the facts of forensics and DNA. They know the facts of the, the crime scene or the timeline. That's an expert witness. But there's another kind of witness, and it's really the most significant kind of witness in any criminal trial, and it's an eyewitness. And here's what I love about an eyewitness. You don't have to be smart to be an eyewitness. You don't have to know all the answers about forensics or DNA to be an eyewitness. You just had to see something, hear something, or experience something. And I love this moment. Jesus looks out at his disciples, and he says, you have a new purpose for your life. You have a new purpose for your life. And here's the purpose, is that you will help others love and trust and follow me. And he says, and here's the promise, that when you live into that purpose, I will give you my very presence. I will fill you with power so that you can be eyewitnesses wherever you go. You can tell people what it is that you've heard, what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've felt as you've encountered the life-changing grace of Jesus. And the rest of the book of Acts is Luke giving us picture after picture after picture after picture of what it looks like when men and women begin to arrange their life around this purpose, filled by the power of Jesus' promise. In joy and in hardship, in suffering, in breakthrough, in success, in moments when it was comfortable to be a Christian, in moments when it was costly to be a Christian. In all of the in-between, in all of the ups and downs, Luke gives us picture after picture after picture after picture, and he comes to Acts chapter 28, the story that the video just referenced. Look at Acts chapter 28 with me. We're just gonna look at the last couple of verses, verses 30 and 31. Paul is under house arrest in this small little home that he's rented out. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented out house, and he welcomed all that came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with what? With all boldness and without hindrance. And then the story ends with just kind of like a dot, dot, dot. 
You're like, wait, what happens to the rest of Paul's journey? What goes on from here? Like, what's happening? And it's almost as Luke is just saying, hey, I want you to read the scriptures through the lens of not just information or inspiration, but through the lens of invitation. That the story itself is an invitation for you to expand the borders of your imagination for what it is that God wants to use you to do in all the places where you already live, work, and play. That the calling of God on your life and on my life is not just to sit in this room and to listen to stories and to try really hard not to sin for the next three decades. That's not the call of Christ on your life. He says, you've been given a new purpose in all of the places where you live, work, and play. And I promise you that I will meet you with power as you live into that. And here's what it could look like. And there's this moment where, where Luke closes the book and he hands it over to us and he says, okay, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. You get to decide. Like, are you gonna get in on the story? Or are you gonna be a part of what God is doing? You know, one of my, my favorite stories is the story of a guy named John Harper. I don't know if you know, have ever heard of John Harper or know of John Harper. He was an evangelist and a revivalist in Scotland in the late 1800s, early 1900s. This is a picture of John uh, with his, his daughter. Uh, her name was Nana. And uh, John and his wife um, uh, gave birth to Nana. And then right after his wife gave birth to her, she passed away. And so he became a widower at a really young age in the early 1900s. Just a faithful man of Jesus. Loved the Lord. Uh, loved his family. Just, just, just loved sharing the gospel. So in the year 1911, he got a letter from a revivalist out of Chicago. Maybe you've heard of him, a guy named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, one of the great revivalists of the 1900s, he, he wrote this letter to John Harper and he said, hey John, I'm getting ready to go on summer break uh, next summer, would you, would you come over? Would you come over from England? Would you spend time that summer just preaching uh, at my church? Would you kind of hold down the pulpit for me? And so John prayed about it, thought about it, said it, he would gladly do that. And so he accepted the invitation. On April 14th, 1912, John Harper and his six-year-old daughter, Nana, and John's sister got on board of the Titanic to begin making their journey over to the U.S. where he's gonna fill in for D.L. Moody. And maybe you know the story, you know where the story is going. Uh, on that fateful night, 11 o'clock at night, John is doing uh, what he did every night. His daughter was already asleep, his sister was already asleep, and he was ending the night with his evening devotionals. He was praying, he was writing in his journal when the Titanic hit the iceberg. And he, he, felt, he felt the impact and he realized it was pretty significant. And so he, he jumped out uh, of the room and he ran out in the halls and figured, hey, this is a pretty uh, significant thing that's going on. He couldn't figure out what was happening. And he realized it was gonna be uh, a, a pretty tragic event. So he goes into the room and he gets his six-year-old daughter who had already lost her mom. He wraps her up in a blanket. He kisses her on the forehead. He prays over her life. He wakes up his sister and he puts both of them in lifeboat number 11 and sends them off knowing he'll never see them again. And for the next hour, John Harper, he goes up and down the deck of the Titanic pleading with followers of Jesus to give up their spots on the lifeboats so that non-Christians could get in the boats and make it safely. People would report on this that it didn't go very well. Um, shocker, that people in the moment of panic and Fear and sadness wouldn't give up their spots. And so John did the only thing he knew how to do. He starts gathering people up on groups on the ship of the Titanic, which is now sinking, and just starts preaching the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus over their life. People start coming to the Lord. He's one of the last guys to, to get off of the ship right before it sank. He jumped into the icy cold waters and started swimming to one person at a time. And he grabbed them on the 
floating pieces of wood and he'd ask, do you love and know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you love and know the Lord Jesus Christ? He's praying with people right there in the water to receive Jesus over and over and over. This one man tells a story of John Harper swimming up to him in the icy cold waters and John grabs him and says, son or, or brother, do you believe in the Lord Jesus? And, and the man said, no, I don't believe in him and I'll never believe in him. And John Harper just pleaded with this guy to give his life to Jesus, but the guy wouldn't do it. So John began swimming to other people and started sharing the gospel. A few moments later, the water, the waves washed them back closely. And John Harper comes back up to this man and he says, he says brother, have you come to believe in Jesus yet? The guy says, I still don't believe in Jesus. And John looked at him with tears in his eyes. He took his life jacket off, gave it to the man and said, you're gonna need this more than me. And the man tells the story of watching John Harper swim to one or two more people before hypothermia set in and seeing him sink below the dark water. The man who met John Harper in the water that night was one of only a handful of people that was pulled out of the water safe. He came on, went on to become a follower of Jesus and he would go around telling people that he was the last known convert of John Harper. He would talk about what it looked like to come face to face with the man who knew what he had been put on earth for. Shortly after the Titanic sunk, there's a newspaper article that came out that was trying to help the loved ones find those who had survived and those who hadn't. You can see the newspaper article, it'll be up on the screen. And if you know anything about the story of the Titanic, it was, it was famous because not only was it the biggest ship, but it was a ship that was trying to transport people in all walks of life. And they classified people on the ship typically in three different ways. They were first class, second class, or third class. But after the tragedy, the newspaper writer really understood that there were really only two classes of people in the world those who are lost and those who are saved. Guys, we live in a cultural moment that wants to convince us that there's all sorts of spiritual classes of people. There are those who know Jesus. Then there are my friends that don't love Jesus, but they're really good people. I'm sure they're gonna get a hall pass. And then there's people that worship other gods and other religions, but they're really good. I'm sure God's gonna be cool with that as well. And then there's really evil people and in our minds we develop all of these classes but over the, all throughout the gospel message, all throughout the life of Jesus, all throughout the book of Acts, it's clear there's just two kinds of people in the world. There are those that have received the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus and there are those that are still resisting it. There are those that are lost and there are those that are saved. And Luke did not write the book of Acts to fill your head with a few interesting facts about what life used to be like when the church was on fire for God. He wrote the story and then he invites you to find your place in it. I love Philemon chapter one, verse six. It's a letter that Paul wrote when he was in that prison under house arrest in Acts chapter 28. I love Philemon chapter one, verse six. Paul says, he says, listen, he says, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. Why? Look at this, so that you have full understanding of every good thing we have in Jesus. See, as, as you share the love of God with others, not only does it bring God glory, and not only does it change the eternal destiny of the people with which you share the love of God, but it actually stokes your fire as well. Paul says, man, as you, as you talk about the Lord, 
as you share the Lord, he says, things begin to change. I go, Ethos, can you imagine what would happen if just 10 people in our huge church took the book of Acts seriously? Just 10 of us. The whole book of Acts is a story of what happens when just a handful of people get really serious about living into the story. What if just 10 of us said, hey, we're sick of playing games. We're gonna step into the water. We're gonna get in the water. What if 50 of us? What if 100? What if 1,000? History never be the same. See, I have this fear that sometimes when we study the scriptures, the older we get, we study the scriptures the way that I watched the preview for Spider-Man or the way that I watched the documentary of the guy riding, uh, running the triathlon. And we watch it from a distance and we go, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. But we never put on our shoes. <laughs> we never put on our shoes. I go, where is God inviting you to go? Go, go, we wanna help you. We wanna help you do it. Here in a few minutes, we're gonna take communion together and we're gonna share some things together, but I'm, I wanna give you a few minutes just in total silence. Not total silence, there'll be some music playing in the background, okay? So almost total silence. To just reflect on a couple of questions and I'm gonna walk through these questions real quick and then we'll put them on the screen for you to just sit in the presence of God, and maybe all of these questions are pertinent to you, maybe just one of them is, I wanna give you the freedom to just sit with God in the place that has the most gravitational pull for you this morning, okay? So the first question is this, number one, are you, put it up on screen, Cole, are you actively following Jesus as Lord? I'm not asking you if you prayed a prayer in the back of a church when you're 15 years old. I'm not asking you if you got baptized 10 years ago. I'm not asking you if you show up at church on a semi-regular basis. I'm asking you, are you allowing Jesus to define the current purposes of your life? Are you following Jesus as Lord? Number two, second question that I'm gonna invite you to wrestle with is, do you have a burden for those who are not yet following Jesus? I'm convinced that it is fundamentally impossible to be close to God and not fall in love with those that God loves. That you cannot be close with God and not start caring about those who don't yet know Jesus. And some of you may be sitting here this morning going, man, I don't have a burden yet for those. And maybe all you need to do this morning is just say, Father, would you just give me your heart? Would you help me to care? Would you break my heart over those that don't yet know you? Third question, third question is, who would you share the good news of Jesus with? if you are not scared of failing or looking foolish. Listen, guys, there are some of you in here this week, you know God has been calling you to the nations for a decade and you haven't gone yet. This is the week you do it. This is the week you make the steps. Some of you have been called to a new people group here in the city. You haven't had the courage to do it. This is the week that you do it. Some of you have not been called to a new nation or to a new people group. It's been to your son or your daughter-in-law or your parents or your friends or your next door neighbor or that person at work. If you weren't scared of failing or looking foolish, if you actually believed the Spirit of God would be there to help you, who would you share the love of Jesus with this week? Number four, number four. Are you living a life that is bold and unhindered by the Holy Spirit? Are you living a life that is bold and unhindered by the Holy Spirit? Cole, you can put all four of those questions up on the screen for me. These questions are gonna be here. I'm gonna give you 
four or five minutes just right now to just sit in the presence of God. I'm gonna pray over you first. And to just focus on these questions with the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to you today, to invite you out of a place maybe where you're just spectating so that you can participate in the story of God. Let me pray over you. And then uh, we're gonna reflect on these for a few moments and I'll give us further instructions. Father, I love you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, I love that moment all throughout the book of Acts, but especially in Acts chapter 13 where it says the church had come together and they were praying and they were worshiping and they were fasting. And it was in that moment that you illuminated the mission that you had given to Paul 17 years earlier. God, there are some callings that you've put on the lives of men and women in this room. Some of them are to go far with the gospel. Some of them are to just finally have that conversation with a friend at work. They're all significant in the kingdom of God. There are callings that you've put on some people's lives that have laid dormant for a long time. Lord, would this be the morning when those dreams are resurrected? When those purposes are called back to life, God, with the gravity, with the sense of weight, the day we die, may people speak of us as they spoke of John Harper. That was a man, that was a woman who knew what on earth they had been put here to do. God, we have no desire just to understand the story of Acts. We wanna live it. For those that don't wanna live it yet, God, would you help them to want to live it? God, for those who are not yet followers of Jesus, God, would just uh, the weight of your presence and your conviction fall on them this morning, God, and they come to believe in you and to know you and to give their lives to you. God, all of the places in between, God, would you use us for your glory, for the good of those that are around us? Would you give us that joy that Paul talks about in Philemon's chapter one, that as we walk with you in such a way that, man, we just come to life. Lord, would you speak to us now in this time of prayer and reflection as we speak to you? In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.